Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast. As always, I am your host with the Holla French Toast, Freddie Carlson, and today I am here with my good friend on the other side of the microphone, Angelo Belly, the heart of the wrestling fan base himself. Say hello to the people, Angelo. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of your favorite podcast. That's right. We are back today. Your hosts with the most are here and we are ready to talk about NXT. That's right. NXT, the third brand of WWE television. Why are we talking about that tonight? Well, ironically, and we in our club group chat, shout out to the club, throw up the two sweet as we like to do here on the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Pod. Uh, we were talking earlier today, ironically, about uh, NXT and how great NXT takeovers might have been in the past, um, and it actually got a lot of us to thinking, uh, how do we rank all 36, and that's right, I was shocked at the number, 36 NXT takeover specials. Now, obviously, the takeover name was dropped a little over a year ago when the switch was made to 2.0, excuse me, was switch made to NXT 2.0, uh, and since then, they just run special events, and now recently, as they've transitioned into a hybrid of the black and gold and 2.0. They're now running the equivalent of what's a premium live event on the uh, network over through Peacock, uh, with the next one coming up uh, in December called NXT Deadline, which will run on the same exact day as Ring of Honor's Final Battle. Interesting choice there by Triple H to run that show on the same day as that. And it will be the only premium live event WWE has between Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, so it's going to be a big deal to have NXT being their representative for December the final month of 2022 before we head into the new year and we embark on the road to WrestleMania. So, Angela, what we're going to do, as he knows, uh, we're going to talk about that. We've compiled a ranking from number 36 being the worst, in our opinion, obviously this is all subjective, to number one, which we think is the best. And we're going to go through each and every single one of those shows, read through the cards, and just kind of give a little bit as to why we think it's good, bad, or otherwise. So, Angela, before we get started... When you think of the name NXT, you think of black and gold, you think of 2.0, and now this still relatively new hybrid of the two. What's something that really sticks out to you when you think back to those takeover specials? So, I'm sorry, Freddie, I lost you on my connection, but what was your question again? Uh, when you think of NXT, what do you think uh, of the most? When you think of the, the three iterations, the black and gold, the 2.0, and now this hybrid? So... When it comes to NXT, I think of, I guess what it used to be back in the day for wrestling was how you have talent that you're trying to make homegrown and how you're trying to make future stars out of everybody and just, I guess, how they utilize them. And I'm seeing it a lot with uh, with certain stars, especially Braun Breaker. I mean, he's a throwback to like an 80s wrestler, no doubt. <laughs> Yeah, no, they do a lot of good things. There's a lot of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot of um, great things that they're doing now. I was a bit skeptical with 2.0, and I kind of still uh, stick to that. But nonetheless, they've done a very good job of, you know, avoiding uh, full tilt disaster. Uh, and they're doing a great job now. And obviously, these uh, take <clears throat> takeovers that we're going to look at dive way back into the black and gold era from the very start of it until... The black and gold came to an end uh, in the fall of 2021. So with that being said, 
we're going to look at all 36 NXT TakeOvers. The first one taking place on May 29th, 2014. The last one taking place on August 22nd, 2021. So in just over seven years, there were 36 events labeled as an NXT TakeOver, and we are now going to look at them ranked from worst to best, in our opinion. Here we go. So at number 36 for us, we have NXT TakeOver Rival. NXT TakeOver Rival was the fourth iteration of the show. It aired on February 11th, 2015. And the reason why we have this at the bottom of everything is because it is a largely forgettable show uh, that had two major matches. Now, I say largely forgettable because in the grand scheme of things, a lot of those early NXT TakeOvers were forgettable. Um, they weren't in large arenas, they were at full sale, and the stuff that they were doing was not on as grandiose of a scale as it is now. Even though they still compete at the Capitol Wrestling Center in Florida uh, with their take- with their premium live event specials now, um, there's a lot to be said for um, that experience we got for a good six or seven years in front of live crowds pre- uh, pre-pandemic uh, especially, so... Uh, you might see a lot of those early, early ones before they hit the road at the bottom of this list. Not because they are bad in and of itself, because there's not many bad ones, but they're largely forgettable. So we're going to run through the card. On this one, NXT TakeOver Rival saw Hideo Itami defeat Tyler Breeze. Baron Corbin defeated Bull Dempsey in a no-disqualification match. Blake and Murphy, the NXT Tag Team Champions, retained in a defense against the former champions of the Lucha Dragons, Kalisto and Sin Cara. Finn Balor defeated Adrian Neville to become the number one contender to the NXT Championship. Sasha Banks defeated Charlotte Flair, Bayley, and Becky Lynch in a fatal four-way match featuring all four horsewomen for the NXT Women's title, the only time to date that those four women have competed against one another in a fatal four-way. And in the main event, Kevin Owens defeated Sami Zayn by technical knockout to become the NXT Champion for the first time. Now, I think for me, the two things that stick out are the fatal four-way for the women's title, and especially that main event, because Kevin Owens winning the NXT title sent him on a trajectory that will never be forgotten. Angela, what do you think? Oh, I totally agree with that um, That statement that you just made about Kevin Owens. I mean, he was the first person to carry the NXT championship to bring it to Raw and have a major feud with John Cena. Not only did he do that, but he won a match against John Cena while he was the NXT champion. Clean yep. in his main roster debut. Unheard of before and since. So for Owens to go and do that, as as amazing as that moment was, obviously did not take place on this show that we're looking at now, but that's where the title reign began. Uh, obviously, besides those two final matches, that show was largely forgettable um, until doing research for this topic. I didn't remember any of those except for the two main event matches. So goes to show that uh, again, that time was just largely forgettable, not because anything was necessarily bad, but because, and we will have some bad matches. There are some that we do view as bad. Don't get me wrong uh, as we go through this list, but um, not the worst, not the best, just kind of the most forgettable. Moving right along, number 35, NXT TakeOver, our evolution. So very similar to Rival, this was the third iteration of the event. It took place just three months prior, or yeah, two months prior to the day, December 11th, 2014. Uh, it took place, obviously, at Full Sail University, and it was another show that as good of a main event as it might have had, 
Uh, it's really a one-moment show. So Kevin Owens made his WWE in-ring debut by defeating CJ Parker. The Lucha Dragons defeated the Vaude Villains to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. Baron Corbin defeated Ty Dillinger in under a minute. Finn Balor and Hideo Itami defeated the Ascension in a tag team match, and if I'm not mistaken, that was Hideo Itami's WWE debut. Charlotte Flair defeated Sasha Banks to retain the NXT Women's Championship, and Sami Zayn defeated Adrian Neville in a title versus career match for the NXT title. And obviously, as I say, it's a one-moment show. That is the main event, and that is what happened after the main event because Kevin Owens did make his in-ring debut at the beginning of that show. However, if you go to the main event, he's best friends with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn finally wins the NXT title. He's celebrating with Zayn in the ring only to turn heel, attack Sami, uh, leave him lying after a powerbomb on the apron, which set up their title match two months later at TakeOver Rival. So, obviously, excuse me, obviously a heavy uh, show on the main event, one of the most pivotal moments in the early days of NXT. Angelo, what do you remember about that one? So really looking back at it now, the only thing that I really remember, actually the only match that I really remember was um, Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn and the ending. And then uh, Kevin Owens coming out and attacking his, I guess, former best friend, Sami Zayn. That's actually the moment that really got me into NXT at the time was because I remember seeing vignettes on like SmackDown and stuff about Kevin Owens coming in and everything. And then I was like, Oh, what's, what's this? And then like, I actually started watching NXT from there on out. Yeah. NXT, uh, Kevin Owens, obviously at the time, uh, very well known on the indie scene as Kevin Steen, multiple time ring of honor world champion, had a lot of great matches over there. Um, coming to WWE was a big deal for him. And as he came in, he, uh, was instantly put into a main event spotlight, something that he always deserves, deserved, and will always deserve because he is fantastic at what he does both on the microphone and in that ring. Uh, we love Kevin Owens here on the fans talk pro wrestling podcast. And, um, yeah. So again, another show that not really bad per se, but just kind of falls flat when compared to some of the bigger ones that we will obviously see down the line. So at number 34, we have the last ever NXT TakeOver special to grace the name, to have the name grace of TakeOver. NXT TakeOver 36. You can see by this point they were really original with their names. Uh, NXT TakeOver 36, the final iteration on August 22nd, 2021. Uh, This event was uh, probably the most modern example of what uh, the black and gold had become through the pandemic right before the big switch over to the uh, 2.0 uh, color and and uh, graphics and uh, concept and all the new stars would be influxed almost immediately while a lot of the older ones would be ex- uh, excluded immediately. On this show, Ridge Holland defeated Trey Baxter. That's one that was on a pre-show and I don't remember that at all. Uh, Cameron Grimes defeated Ted DiBiase. I'm sorry, not defeated Ted DiBiase. With Ted DiBiase, defeated LA Knight to become... The NXT, uh, the Million Dollar Champion. Wow, that's something that slipped my memory until just now. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez defeated Dakota Kai to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, Ilya Dragunov defeated Walter to become the NXT United Kingdom Champion in one of the greatest examples of a professional wrestling slugfest and brutality-filled match that I've ever seen. Kyle O'Reilly defeated uh, Adam Cole 2-1 in a 2-3 out of falls match. 
Uh, to end their long-standing rivalry, it would actually be Adam Cole's last match in the company as one month later he would make his way over to AEW. Kyle O'Reilly, a few months later, would end up joining Adam, and by the year's end, both men would be standard bearers in the AEW ranks. And then in the main event, Samoa Joe defeated Karrion Cross to become the NXT champion for a record third time. Um, goes to show that, unfortunately, as fantastic as Samoa Joe is, WWE never really had anything for him because he would relinquish the title just a couple of weeks later when the 2.0 announcement came along, and that was that. <clears throat> so, for me, this is another show that leans heavily on one particular match, obviously Dragunov and Walter for the NXT United Kingdom title. Uh, nothing against O'Reilly and Cole, but I can I felt very much like at that point both guys had one foot out the door and you could sense it with their work. It was still very top of the line and professional as you would expect from them, but it wasn't what you would have hoped after the big heel turn that came about. So for me, it didn't hit, and that's why it's so low. Um, the main event, um, never been a big carrying cross guy from his NXT days and his early main roster run. I will say I am much happier with him since his return to WWE at the end of the summer. Uh, he's been much more entertaining and investing, getting me invested now, uh, but obviously we're looking at these days of NXT, and you're going to see in a moment what, another example of why I think he's um, just not the best at that time. His character was fantastic, but the work he was putting fourth you know no fault of his own per se just wasn't hitting um but yeah Dragunov and Walter in their rematch from a year prior uh absolute insanity um Walter tapping out to Dragunov finally ending the legendary reign of almost what was it, 800 900 days Walter was champion over two years so um <clears throat> yeah uh, Angelo what do you think of takeover 36 the last ever takeover so I think the last over takeover, I think overall it wasn't a terrible pay-per-view, but it wasn't one that, especially for an NXT banner, like I wouldn't say that it was one of the greatest. I feel like it was like somewhere in between, maybe a little bit below average for them. Um, definitely. I agree with that point of uh, Ilya Dragunov and Walter. That match was the match of the show. Like it, it overshadowed um, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole without a doubt. But those two matches for me are really what I think kept the show like afloat. Yeah, honestly, like, um, for for me, it was definitely um, that match. I mean, that was probably my favorite match of the year. Um, obviously, it was a year, and and NXT. I should I should clarify. Uh, <clears throat> for NXT, it was definitely a weird year. Um, they had the pandemic, um, they transitioned to the 2.0, uh, there was a lot of things that NXT was changing, and the NXT we had come to know and love was not the same anymore, but that was kind of like the last breath of that in my eyes, and the transition that came soon after, obviously Walter changed his name to Gunther, Dragunov would later get injured and have to relinquish the title shortly before NXT UK would be shut down later into this year, so obviously, um, things changed very quickly after that. But uh, moving right along to the next to the next one, and number thirty three is NXT Takeover thirty. Exactly one year to the day prior to NXT Takeover thirty six, uh, August twenty second, twenty twenty was Takeover thirty, the thirtieth iteration of the show. Uh, at the height of the uh, Pro Performance Center 
shows for WWE. The Thunderdome was coming in um, main roster, and their their iteration of it in NXT would be following. Um, but here on the pre-show, Tyler Breeze and Fandango defeated Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, as well as Legado del Fantasma, to become the number one contenders to the NXT Tag Team Titles. Then on the main card, Finn Balor defeated Timothy Thatcher. Damian Priest won a ladder match for the vacant NXT title, overcoming Bronson Reed, the Velveteen Dream, Cameron Grimes, and Johnny Gargano. Adam Cole defeated Pat McAfee in McAfee's first ever professional wrestling match. Uh, Io Shirai defeated Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship and a retention of her title. And then in the main event, Karrion Cross defeated Keith Lee for the NXT Championship. Now, as I said before, we've talked a lot about shows that were not bad per se, but they were kind of lifted up by one great match. Uh, in this one, I don't think there was any outstanding match that was you know, head and shoulders above the rest. I think the latter match was very fun. Um, I think Mac- McAfee and Cole put together a really great match for McAfee having never wrestled before. <clears throat> uh, and obviously Pat is fantastic and I want to see more of him in the ring when he gets back from college game day. Um, but this show really dragged in the main event. I watched it just the once and I cannot go back and rewatch that match. It is a slog to watch Cross and Lee feud. Their feud was already a bit questionable. Um, carrying Cross, uh, his character was over the moon, but um, it just didn't really fit the way that they vibed. And again, this is nothing against Carrying Cross. I know I said something similar about his run with uh, Samoa Joe <clears throat> exactly one year later. Uh, Cross would actually get hurt in this match and would force him to relinquish the championship, and they would have to go a different route uh, in the fall. But uh, what do you remember from this show, Angelo? So, I mean, I remember seeing like the. Uh, what was it Karrion Cross and uh, Keith Lee? You know that match was okay, but I really enjoyed the ladder match between you know with Demon Priest winning. Um, I feel like that really gave him a platform, and I feel like that really put him like on a higher, I guess, pedestal than what he was when he signed with the company. Because yeah. I mean everybody knew him in Ring of Honor, but you know, casual fans that watch WWE, they're not gonna watch promotions like that. So I feel like him getting his championship win and getting his name out there, it really like, you know, a lot of fans got to know who he was because of that type of match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think it was definitely a coming out party for Priest in WWE. He had kind of just been meddling around in the mid card of NXT, lower mid card um, something NXT always did really good was introducing new guys at a lower level, eventually getting them to a takeover where they had a opening match or a second match of the show before they really started getting into these really big title feuds. And that's why I think the North American title was such a great addition when they added it because it was a perfect title for guys like Damian Priest who might not be at the time ready for the NXT title, not in terms of their abilities but just there's no room at that part of the roster right now you know there's a heavy main event scene in nxt for a very long time um but he definitely could have been in there if he needed to be uh it's just his presence was needed on the main roster much sooner than he had that opportunity now damian priest obviously we're seeing his talents a part of the judgment day he's been united states champion as well so it's been a busy uh busy change for for priest but yeah that was probably my top match of the show again this show just really pulled down in my mind by that main event uh but to show respect to cole mcafee and the five guys in that ladder match we put it as high as we did uh but that match really the 
biggest gripe I've had so far with any of the shows that we've watched. One of the few missteps I think NXT's made over the years. Moving right along to number 32, <clears throat> we're going to go to NXT TakeOver Unstoppable from May 20th, 2015. That match, that show was ironically uh, the first NXT TakeOver that I remember watching um, as a fan. When I remember beginning NXT uh, as a fan, I ended up um, watching this show first. So on this show, the mechanics, as they were known, uh, Dash Wilder and Scott Dawson. Wow, talk about a name that has been lost in the history of time. The mechanics, later known as The Revival, later known as Dash and Dawson, later known as FTR, the best tag team in the world, uh, defeated the Vaude Villains in a dark match. Uh, then Tyler Breeze and Fandango battled, uh, sorry, not Fandango, Finn Balor, battled in a number one contenders match for the NXT title, which Finn Balor won. Bailey and Charlotte defeated Dana Brooke and Emma in a tag team match. Baron Corbin defeated Rhino. Okay, that happened. Uh, Blake and Murphy defeated Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy in an NXT Tag Team Championship match. Becky Lynch and, Char- and Sasha Banks had their first one-on-one clash for the NXT Women's title, where Sasha won. And then in the main event, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn went to a no contest for the NXT Championship. Uh, Sami had injured his shoulder a couple of weeks prior on his, in his Raw debut against John Cena. Uh, but Owens' reign would reign forward into the summer months, where he would eventually come and feud with John Cena as well. So... Uh, this show really doesn't have anything insane that sticks out about it. Um, I do remember that main event and it being hampered by Sammy's injury. I do remember Sasha and Becky being probably the match of the night, which was an early sign of what they would be able to do later in their careers. Um, but yeah, I think this show really kind of lower on this list because of a lack of direction. Clearly you could see, you know, a seven minute match with Corbin and Rhino, a six minute match with... Bailey and Charlotte versus Emma and Dana. You know, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to some of this show, and it didn't fit the mold of what a takeover card would become known for. So do you remember anything about this show, Angelo, personally? So personally, the only thing that I remember, and it's actually crazy, is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn to a no contest because, again, that was around the time that I actually started to get into NXT. So, like... I'm I'm literally looking at the card now, like like you said, the mechanics. That's a name that's like long forgotten to fans because we all know them as the revival and FTR. So like seeing like stuff like that, it's like, oh my god, I really don't remember any of this happening. Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah, that was um it was a very weird time. I I feel as though, you know, that was a show that just kinda it, it, it didn't have that. It was the last, and this is another thing to make note of because we've been talking about those first four NXT, ta- first four or five takeover specials. Um, it was the last takeover before they went on the road uh, full time with their takeover touring. Uh, that summer in, in in August would be the first NXT takeover to not take place at Full Sail University. Uh, so that was the fifth iteration of the show, and. Um, it was uh, it, it was clear that they were ready to advance, but they they hadn't figured out the formula yet. And um, you know, no no slight to the people on the card, a lot of great talents in those matches, but um, yeah, I, I think it was carried heavily by Sasha and ba- uh, and Becky as well as Kevin and Sammy as well. 
So moving right along, we're going to get to number 31, and at number 31, it's fitting, NXT TakeOver 31, which took place on October 4th, 2020. Again, towards the end, their names got less and less diverse, 30, 31, 36, as you can see. Uh, on this show, Zia Lee defeated Emily Andulziz, and Danny Birch defeated Daniel Vidot in dark matches. Uh, that's for those of you who are interested in the dark matches. I, obviously, we never saw them. Uh, Damian Priest defeated Johnny Gargano to retain the NXT North American Championship. Kushida defeated the Velveteen Dream via submission. Santos Escobar uh, defeated Isaiah Swerve Scott to retain the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae to retain the NXT Women's Championship. And in the main event, Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor went to war where Finn Balor would retain the NXT Championship in the midst of his second reign, which he began shortly beforehand in a match against Adam Cole. Uh, This show, again, as a lot of them, as we've said, really heavy on one match, uh, but there is uh, no real slights to this show. It just has, it's an unfortunate circumstance. The show's post-pandemic beginning have really just lost a lot of steam. That, That wild NXT crowd that you would have expected in a sold out arena would have made all of these matches so much better. I mean, you look at the talent on this show, all five matches on the main card were filled with very talented wrestlers, you know, taking away, you know, anything besides that outside the ring. We're focusing on the content that they provided. All the matches should have, and really were very good and should have been very fantastic. Um, that main event is probably head and shoulders above the rest just because they went for 30 minutes. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, they both came out with some pretty gnarly injuries from their match that they would actually, when they ran it back a few months later, you know, it was, I was a little worried that somebody was going to get hurt even further. So, uh, NXT TakeOver 31, you know, nothing special because of the pandemic, but a really solid show filled with good matches, just not as memorable as one may hope. Do you remember, you have any other thoughts on that, Angelo? No, and I'm, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add, but I totally agree with what you said, especially about the main event. I remember looking back and watching that, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is absolutely insane. Like, they actually went to war with each other. And they also, I actually couldn't believe that Kyle O'Reilly was in the main event against Finn Balor for the NXT championship. The dude wasn't in a main event scene for a while like he was just doing a bunch of tag team stuff and i'd say even like mid carter stuff but i didn't see him as being a main event caliber star in nxc or even if let's just say if he got called up to the main roster i just didn't see him as a main eventer yet yeah i feel like um Kyle was never portrayed that way. Obviously, before WWE, he was a very big single star in Ring of Honor. Um, he outside yep. of his tag team work with Bobby Fish and Red Dragon. Um, <clears throat> but overall, I feel like it was it was time. Kyle was definitely ready, but um, he didn't really have a character, and I think that hurt him a lot. He kind of was just there. He feuded with Adam Cole, and okay, you can kind of excuse the lack of a character because his his determination was to get his hands on Adam after what had happened, but. Once Cole, the Cole feud finished, Cole left the company, there really wasn't any direction. And I think that really hurt him. Uh, and obviously, he would go on to leave the company shortly after this anyway, so um, no harm, no foul, I guess. But nonetheless, obviously, a bit of a disappointment to see um, Kyle fall so quickly uh, and not, but you know, never get that 
shining moment. Hopefully when he gets healthy again, he can get that in AEW. So moving along, we're going to finish out our top 30. At number 30, Vengeance Day 2021 took place on Valentine's Day in 2021. Uh, Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez won the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, last defeating Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart. They earned a future Women's Tag Team title opportunity. Uh, Johnny Gargano defeated Kushida to retain the NXT North American Championship. MSK, Nash Carter and Wesley, defeated the Grizzled Young Veterans to win the NXT uh, men's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic and earned a future tag team title match. Io Shirai defeated Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm to retain the NXT Women's Championship in a triple threat. And then in the main event, Pete Dunne and Finn Balor had another grueling, brutal, hard-hitting contest for the NXT Championship. Uh, I really feel like this show, just like the one we just talked about a few months prior, NXT TakeOver 31, um, <clears throat> just really suffers from a lack of an NXT crowd because feel-good moment with MSK winning the tournament, uh, another hard-hitting NXT-style main event with Dunn and Balor. Uh, the triple threat with the women's title went a little bit flatter. Uh, both Martinez and Storm would leave the company by year's end. Um, Gargano and Kushida put on a really fun match for the North American title. Um, so, I mean, again, it was a solid show, but the lack of a live crowd really hurt them. Any other thoughts, Angelo? No, I absolutely agree with the fact that, you know, they couldn't have the live crowd, like, to be part of those moments. Yeah, it really um, it really affected them. And, and it was unfortunate because, you know, you don't want to see that happen. But it, uh, it, it was an unfortunate circumstance of what was to come. Uh, okay, moving right along. We're in number 29 now. We're going to go to N- another pandemic-era show. December 6, 2020 was NXT TakeOver War Games. The first War Games to take place in the pandemic era saw Team Candice of Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, and Tony Storm defeat Team Shotzi, Shotzi Blackheart, Ember Moon, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai in a War Games match. Tommaso Ciampa then defeated Timothy Thatcher by a pinfall. Those two would later become a tag team in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. Dexter Loomis defeated Cameron Grimes in a strap match. Uh, Johnny Gargano defeated Leon Ruff and Damian Priest to win the North American title again. Wow, I forgot that Leon Ruff was NXT North American champion. That's okay. And then in the main event, the Undisputed Era outlasted Team McAfee, McAfee, Dunn, Bert, uh, Denny Burch, Noni Lorcan in War Games. Um... Again, and and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here and and banging the same drum, but another pandemic era show that just suffered from a lack of a crowd. War Games in the first three years that WWE held it for NXT prior to the pandemic, wild. The crowd so invested in every single spot, and they put together such well-formed matches that you just wish there was a live crowd for it. And they did it again in 2021. Obviously, it was not under the TakeOver umbrella. It was just an NXT PLE, a premium live event, um, for 2.0. And that match was probably my favorite in terms of the story, um, but we're not talking about that one. So uh, great War Games matches. Uh, Very rarely ever get bad ones. They're very solid, very fun. Um, Obviously... Uh, Leon Ruff being North American champion was an interesting decision, considering he had never been really on NXT TV before, but nonetheless he was. Um, and the, uh, again, nothing outstanding about this show except for two really te- fun War Games matches. Those men and women went out there and put their lives on the line, and we thank them for that. 
Um, but I just don't think it is on that same level that we've seen previous in the three years prior, and hopefully to come with Survivor Series now coming to the main uh, War Games coming to Survivor Series and the main roster this year in just a couple of weeks' time. Any thoughts, Angelo? So looking back at this um, this event, War Games, the really the only match that really caught my eye and I really enjoyed watching was the Undisputed Era versus Team McAfee because you know Adam Cole and Pat McAfee had their whole thing going on and he wound up forming an alliance with Pete Dunne, Birch, and Lorcan and you know those those two teams they really like put each other through hell and Pat McAfee took a lot of bumps in that match like bumps that i can't even see myself like you couldn't pay me enough to take the bumps that he took mcafee is a crazy sob and i love him to death you know he did that uh, i think it was a swanton or a senton off the top of the, the cage and i swear i'm like you can't you probably couldn't pay half the pro wrestlers in the company to do that move and mcafee is a, pro, a former football player probably in i think it was his second official match doing that kind of a move it's insane but you know mcafee himself is insane so um again fun show the matches weren't boring uh, at least not war games but another show that suffered from it and we're gonna go now to the next one number 20 uh 28 another pandemic show we're just gonna try and grill through these because we're gonna eventually get into the meat and potatoes that were some of those really big mid middle middle years shows uh this nxt takeover in your house 2021 the second in your house show was also the second to last takeover special took place on june 13th 2021 Uh, on this show bronson reed and msk uh teamed up in a winner take all six-man tag to defend the north american and tag team championships against legato del fantasma and they all retained zaya lee defeated mercedes martinez okay that happened la knight defeated cameron grimes in a ladder match for the million dollar championship Raquel Gonzalez defeated Ember Moon to retain the NXT Women's Championship. And then in the main event, a fatal five-way for the NXT title. Pete Dunne, Johnny Gargano, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, and Karrion Cross for the NXT title. A submission victory for Karrion, uh, outlasting four of the greatest of NXT's time. Uh, obviously, Adam Cole, the longest reigning NXT champion of all time. Uh, Pete Dunne was uh, the longest-reigning North American or, or United Kingdom champion of all time. Johnny Gargano, <clears throat> the only Triple Crown winner in NXT history, and Kyle O'Reilly, the only three-time tag team champion in history. So that match, probably the match of the night, obviously a spot fest. A um, few other things, uh, like seeing uh, Zia Lee and Mercedes Martinez on a pay-per-view like this, kind of a bit surprising, but nonetheless, what do you think of this one, Angelo? So I think this one actually deserves to be ranked where it is. So I totally agree like with how how everything was. I mean the winner takes all six man tag team match. I feel like that was a fun way to include like all the titles in on the show because you know you have the million dollar championship match, you have the NXT women's championship match. The fatal five way main event, I feel like that was going to eat up a lot of time. So booking Bronson Reed and MSK against Legado del Fantasma in their own story and then putting all their titles on the line in that match, I feel like that definitely added something like it, it added a different um, a different way of booking a match onto the show. 
It did. So I feel, I feel like this pay-per-view was pretty fun. Yeah, I see what you mean. I'm I'm personally not a big fan of that. I've never been a fan of those winner-take-all tag team matches for singles titles. Yes, the tag team titles were also on the line here, but I don't know, just never really a fan of it to me. It always kind of feels forced, and it feels like, you know, especially for if, a, if the champion, if the defending champions lose, and honestly, even for the challengers, uh, the person who takes the pin completely loses a title for the other person on their team. And I just feel like it kind of lessens it. But nonetheless, uh, yeah, it was definitely a way to keep them both titles on the show. Um, you could have obviously bumped Zaya and um, what's it called? Zaya and Mercedes to get one of them on there, but they wanted that. So nonetheless, not so bad. <clears throat> Next up on the list, we're going all the way back to the very beginning. The first NXT TakeOver in 2014, May 29th, 2014, NXT Takeover, the show that started it all at Full Sail University. And this one is just a nostalgia show. Adam Rose defeated Camacho. The Ascension defeated uh, El Local and Kalisto for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Oh man, this card is rough. Tyler Breeze defeated Sami Zayn in a number one contenders match for the NXT title. Charlotte defeated Natalia to become the first, uh, the, the new NXT Women's Champion after Paige relinquished the championship uh, to go to the main roster. And Adrian Neville defeated Tyson Kidd to retain the NXT title. Uh, this show was another early era show that leaned heavily on one match. And that one match, in my opinion, and it could be different for everybody because the final three matches could all be in that discussion, is Charlotte and Natalia. It was the earliest example of how Charlotte Flair could be the next generational talent. And it's a reminder, because at the time, Natalia was kind of the forgotten star of the women's division, uh, that she could go and that she deserved to be in the top ranks with everybody else. Plus, Ric Flair and Bret Hart were both at ringside, and that added a lot of star power to an NXT show. So I feel like that match kind of was what excelled. Um, but also having three really strong matches, Sammy and Tyler, you know, always had great chemistry. Neville and Tyson Kidd was a fun match that you just thought maybe Tyson Kidd was finally going to get that singles title win. And then he doesn't, you know, I feel like that's why it's a little higher than a lot of the pandemic era shows and some of the other earlier NXT shows, just because it's the first one. It's the uh, most important one, because if this show failed, very similar to the idea of WrestleMania, if this show failed, who knows if NXT would have lasted. But it succeeded. It succeeded at a high level, and that's why we are where we are today. Any thoughts, Angelo? You know, I totally agree with what you just said about, like, if this show failed, then who knows, like, what would happen. I definitely like the fact that they had people from the main roster, you know, Natalia and Tyson Kidd, both in championship matches against NXT stars. So I feel like that kind of helped elevate and show like that NXT is more than just a developmental place. I feel like that's where they really showed that, especially at that time, the the stars that they had at that time, they were really like main event players. Yeah, no, I agree. I I think that there was um, a lot of, uh, star powered in the making there. Obviously, not everybody there made it. Tyler Breeze <clears throat> was uh, just kind of a missed opportunity. Tyson Kidd, obviously, his unfortunate career-ending injury. Sami Zayn, still one of the biggest stars in WWE today with his whole bloodline shtick. Charlotte Flair became a generational talent. Natalia, you know, one of the goats um, in terms of uh, in-ring acumen. 
And, uh, you know, a lot of success in those three matches overall. Five out of six. Uh, Neville, obviously now in AEW as Pac, the first ever double champion of that company. So a lot of good things. Next on the list is another pandemic era show, June 7th, 2020, the first NXT takeover in your house. Uh, and this one was a really cool one. I gave them a lot of props at the time for really going out and trying to make something fun. You know, it was at the early part of the pandemic when things were still at its really worst. So in your house, which was a legendary concept, they brought it back, which is something NXT does very well. The Great American Bash was brought back for a, a TV special, as was Halloween Havoc. Um, so a lot of fun ideas here. Uh, in your house, uh, Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox defeated Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez in a six-woman tag team match. Finn Balor defeated Damian Priest. Keith Lee defeated Johnny Gargano to retain the NXT North American Championship. Adam Cole defeated the Velveteen Dream to the uh, in a backlot brawl for the NXT Championship. With that loss, Dream could not challenge for the NXT title as long as Cole was the champion. Karrion Cross defeated Tommaso Ciampa by technical knockout in what was a squash match for all intents and purposes. And in the main event, which was the best match of the night, Io Shirai defeated Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley in a triple threat match to win the NXT Women's Championship, which was a fantastic match. Io did that insane dive off the top of the stage, which was really cool. The stage was awesome. They really did a good job. This was one of my favorite pandemic era shows, period, main roster or NXT. And it's my second favorite NXT takeover during the pandemic. And we'll obviously get to my favorite one in a little bit. But um, yeah, so this match, again, heavy on the main event, but there was a lot of good stuff in the undercard. This also had six matches, which is not something that was typically seen um, on takeovers. Um, <clears throat> and obviously you just have really solid wrestling, the David versus Goliath idea of Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano. Um, the backlot brawl had a lot of cool spots. I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on talking about anything related to the Velveteen Dream. Uh, Karrion Cross looked at as the most dominant. Um, but yeah, a great main event and a fun show. Uh, and I give it a lot of props for going out and going as hard as it did for a pandemic era show. What do you think, Angela? Yeah, no, I definitely, this was one of the takeovers that I actually enjoyed watching, you know, from Finn Balor and Damian Priest to Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano. And actually the main event, now a lot of people are probably going to have their own opinions on this, but I really enjoyed the main event because Io Shirai won the NXT championship and not only did she win it, she took the title off of Charlotte. You know I'm not the biggest Charlotte Flair fan, so mm -hmm. I was really happy about that. Yeah, it was um, it was definitely a fun show, and it was definitely um, their very best effort to give us something really cool to watch during a really tough time. Uh, I was very pleased with the output, and I think that they did a great job. Okay, so we're going to move on to the next one. And actually, this next um, next show is our first one to not be a, pa a pandemic-era show or a pre-touring show. We're getting into our first middle-era show. In my opinion, it is the weakest of all the ones that ever toured with WWE during their big um, pay-per-view weekends. And that is going to be number 25, NXT TakeOver Orlando taking place on the weekend of WrestleMania 33. It was a jam-packed weekend filled with the Hall of Fame, WWE bringing back Kurt Angle for the Hall of Fame, the Hardy Boys returned to WWE uh, at WrestleMania on Sunday night, and obviously the at the time what seemed to be the retirement of The Undertaker, which wasn't the retirement of The Undertaker, but we won't talk about that. Getting on to 
the show. TakeOver Orlando had an eight-person mixed tag team match, Sanity, featuring Killian Dane, Eric Young, Alexander Wolfe, and Nikki Cross, defeating the team of Cassius Ono, Roderick Strong, Ruby Riot, and Ty Dillinger, because that is a interesting decision to have that match be on the show. Um, Andrade Cien Almas lost to Alistair Black. I believe that was Alistair's uh, takeover debut, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Authors of Pain defeated uh, DIY and The Revival in a triple threat elimination match for the NXT Tag Team titles. Asuka defeated Ember Moon uh, to retain the NXT Women's title. That was the first of their series of fantastic matches that would lead into that summer. And in the main event, Bobby Roode defeated Shinsuke Nakamura to retain the NXT Championship. Nakamura (coughs) would head to the main roster uh, after WrestleMania, joining SmackDown and eventually um, feuding with the likes of John Cena and Jinder Mahal in in the coming months. So... Um, I put this ahead of a lot of those pandemic era shows and some of the earlier takeovers because this is a traveling takeover. So it had that atmosphere that was lacking in either of those. No offense to Full Sail or the pandemic crowds that we did get. Um, but this it still had that vibe. And uh, the tag team elimination match was definitely the highlight for me. I remember really, really getting behind the revival at the time, even though they were heels. It was the first time where I really thought these guys are just really great wrestlers. Um, you know, in a sense of like, they could be baby faces and everyone would love them. Uh, eventually what they would become with FTR, um, in AEW. Um, but yeah, so, um, not much besides that. That's why it's the lowest out of all of these types of shows. So Angela, what do you think about Orlando? And I think Orlando was definitely an interesting card. I mean, especially with the eight person mixed tag team match and, Honestly, too, I agree with you on the on the tag team match. I really thought that the revival would win the tag titles from the authors of Pain. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they didn't because they went to the main roster as well right after WrestleMania um, the following Monday night on Raw. Um, but you know, it really made you believe. Really made you want them to win. Um, AOP were at the top of their game. They never reached that same height again, especially after they dropped the tag titles and went to the main roster themselves. But overall, I mean, it was just, um, it was a fun show. Uh, Again, one of those ones that only has a little higher placement because of what we got out of the live crowd being there. And Orlando was very fun that weekend. So moving along, we're at the last of the early era shows. As I said, there were five shows that took place before NXT hit the road to start touring. We've talked about the other four. We're going to look at, my opinion, the best one that there has been. NXT TakeOver Fatal 4-Way, the second iteration of the event, taking place September 11th, 2014. On this show, the Lucha Dragons defeated the Ascension to win the NXT Tag Team Championship, ending the Ascension's nearly year-long reign as champions. Uh, Baron Corbin defeated CJ Parker in under 30 seconds. Enzo Amore defeated Sylvester Lefort. Wow, in a hair versus hair match. Okay, interesting. Bull Dempsey defeated Mojo Rawley in one minute. Uh, Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey for the NXT Women's Championship, but uh, I, I put this one higher. Obviously, you see a lot of those middle matches might not be the best compared to even some of the earlier ones, but the main event went so hard for no reason that it just, to me, Puts it at head and shoulders above all the rest. Adrian Neville defeated Tyson Kidd, Tyler Breeze, and Sami Zayn in a fatal four-way match for the NXT Championship. I mean, wow. I highly recommend you go back and rewatch this match. It was a lot of fun. It went really hard. These are four really talented guys who never really got their due in WWE. 
uh, Sami Zayn being the one who still has the best chance, obviously. But overall, that match was my favorite one from the early days of NXT. And I really think it was the reason why it was the best pre-touring show out of all five we've looked at. So what do you think, Angelo? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I feel like the main event was definitely, it, it definitely was the, dare I say, banger of a match. I mean, you know, all the star power involved and Neville really had a chance to like lose the title, but they kept it on him. And I feel like that was a great decision made on their end. Yeah, it absolutely was. I, I think that they um, they really doubled down on on the guys that they had and those four guys for <clears throat> the early days of the touring for um, the early days of the takeover era were really some of their uh, all stars uh, and they really did a great job overall. Okay, so moving along now to the next one, the uh, NXT show that took place at Royal Rumble weekend 2019 in Phoenix, Arizona. NXT TakeOver Phoenix at number 23. Um, This event was uh, led off by the War Raiders, Hanson and Rowe, defeating the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong to win the NXT Tag Team Championships. Matt Riddle defeated Cassius Ono by submission. Johnny Gargano defeated Ricochet to win the NXT North American Championship. Shayna Baszler defeated Bianca Belair for the NXT Women's title, and Tommaso Ciampa defeated Aleister Black to retain the NXT Championship. Really wish we got to see more of Black and Ciampa working together. They had such great chemistry, and that story, which had been built up since the summer prior, where Ciampa had attacked Black and they had worked a storyline, a legit injury into the storyline, so that Black Black had dropped the title. Ciampa and Gargano would feud over it and then uh black would come back he would take out gargano first and then champ it was such a great story uh obviously gargano and ricochet um i mean need i say more look at the talent that's in the ring those two guys had a classic for the north american title uh love the war raiders kind of wish they kept their names but you know nonetheless we we live and learn that the viking raiders and they're eric and ivar but who cares um but yeah so either which way uh i think that this match was uh sorry this show was very heavy on the action it was an early example of why Bianca Belair was going to become a star it was a shame that Shayna Baszler didn't become as much of a star as she was in NXT but uh fun show um just you know it's not in the legendary status because a lot of those legendary takeovers were filled with great matches top to bottom uh this one good matches maybe missing one or two of those like legendary level matches what do you think yeah, no, I totally agree, especially with what you said about Bianca and Shayna. Like, Shayna was a huge star in NXT, and then she comes to the main roster, and she's not really doing much. Bianca wasn't much of a star in NXT, and, you know, she was really, like, proving herself as time went on. And now look at her. She's Raw Women's Champion. So it's crazy to think, like, how far certain stars can come. Yeah, for sure. It was, um, <clears throat> it was, a, it was an interesting show. Um, and, uh, the main event was really, uh, storyline driven and the, and the, and the abilities of both guys really, uh, propelled it to a new level. Going to keep on moving here. We're going back to Royal Rumble two years prior and that weekend in San Antonio for number 22, NXT TakeOver San Antonio. Eric Young defeated Ty Dillinger in the opener. Uh, Roderick Strong defeated Andrade Cien Almas. The Authors of Pain defeated DIY to become the NXT Tag Team Champions. Asuka defeated Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, and Nikki Cross in a fatal four-way for the NXT Women's Championship. And in the main event, Rob Bobby Roode defeated Shinsuke Nakamura 
to win the NXT Championship in his crowning moment. Um, I put this a little bit ahead of Phoenix just because um, Bobby Roode's character was at its all-time best in WWE at that time. Um, And I was really happy with his crowning achievement. Um, But the rest of this show felt like it could have given a lot more. They didn't even give 10 minutes for the Fatal 4-Way. Um, the AOP win was kind of a bit too soon. I feel like they should have won it at Orlando rather than defending it in Orlando. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know, this show definitely lacked the star power, um, carried heavily by the success of their main event, kind of following that same formula. But, uh, you know, overall, it was a fun show. Uh, I think it goes just a little bit ahead of Phoenix because of the importance of the main event, because Bobby Roode would, uh, become the main star of NXT for the next eight months or so. What do you think, Angela? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. That main event was really, really well put together, and that actually showed why Bobby Roode is the main event player that he was at the time. Yeah, I mean, at this show, I'll be, unfortunately, I don't know if you want to look at it that way, nothing special, but um, definitely a, a good show and a, a great moment to close it out, even though the heel technically went over, the fans were much behind Rude and his, his gimmick, so worked out well for everybody. Okay, going back to 2016 now, in June 8th, 2016, NXT TakeOver, the end of the beginning. Uh, that was the name of the show, and it was the kind of the tra- uh, the first major transitional period for NXT because a lot of their main guys had now gone to the main roster, and a lot of those guys who carried the early days were no longer going to be there. Uh, Andrade Cien Almas defeated Ty Dillinger in a short opener. The Revival defeated American Alpha to win the NXT Tag Team Championships back uh, for the second time uh, in a rematch of their classic match in Dallas. Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Austin Aries in a match where, uh, as I said, there was the formula. A guy comes in, he gets a few middle-of-the-show matches earlier on the card before advancing to the main event, which Nakamura would soon do. Asuka defeated Nia Jax for the NXT Women's Championship. Unfortunately, those two did not exactly have great chemistry. And in the main event, Finn Balor, as, as the Demon, took his first loss in NXT under that gimmick, losing to Samoa Joe in a steel cage match for the NXT Championship. Um... So yeah, this show, uh, no offense to it, um, definitely uh, a, an awkward one because you felt the transitionary period coming. Uh, Asuka had just begun her her lengthy reign as champion. Um, Finn Balor was going to be heading to the main roster about two months later, um, not even a month later. Uh, we also saw Shinsuke Nakamura working his way up the card. Uh, the, the short-lived term of Austin Aries in NXT was, was still going on. So it was another awkward show, kind of places right in the middle. Um, you know, it came off the heels of one of their best shows in Dallas, so it was going to be very hard to follow that up. But they did, a, they did a fairly good job. Um, very solid show, I would say. What do you think? Yeah, no, I feel like the show was definitely really well put together. I mean, from top to bottom, it wasn't really anything crazy, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible. So I feel like, you know, this was really a good way to transition into the next era. Yeah, it absolutely was. And, um, you know, they were really going to go into that full tilt um, era of Nakamura and uh, the revival really focusing in on tag team wrestling for the next year or so. It was a really fun show and, you know, filled the void between WrestleMania and SummerSlam very well. 
Okay, next up, NXT TakeOver London, December of 2015, the first time that NXT went across the pond. Uh, it was going to London for the first time ever, and they had a fun show. Asuka defeated Emma in the opener. Dash and Dawson defeated Colin Cassidy and Enzo Amore to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. That was before they were even known as the Revival. Baron Corbin defeated Apollo Crews. Bailey defeated Nia Jax via submission to win the to retain the NXT Women's Title, and Finn Balor defeated Samoa Joe in their seemingly never-ending rivalry for the NXT Championship. Those two guys feuded between uh, October and June. It went on forever, um, but yeah, yet again another great show. The crowd was off the chains as you would expect in London. Um, I really loved the tag team title match, even though it feels a little bit short when you look at how long it was—just about 15 minutes. It felt like a close one the entire time, and you really thought Enzo and Cass were finally going to get their their due. Uh, Bailey, even though she was facing someone in Nia Jax who she didn't necessarily have great chemistry with, uh, the character and the gimmick and the David versus Goliath story worked out well. Uh, and Joe and Balor never had a bad match for as many times as they ma- matched up with one another. So, yet again, just a solid show, kind of right in the middle, not bad, uh, but also not legendary status either. You have any other thoughts? No, actually, this one I actually agree with everything that you just said. <laughs> All right. You love it when it's easy. All right, we're into the top 20. Number 19, NXT TakeOver Chicago 2, June of 2018. For the second year in a row, NXT brought TakeOver to Chicago in the middle months between Mania and SummerSlam. On this show, we saw uh, the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, defeat Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. Ricochet defeated the Velveteen Dream. Shayna Baszler defeated Nikki Cross to retain the NXT Women's title. Aleister Black defeated Lars Sullivan to retain the NXT Championship. That one was uh, not the best. Uh, but Tommaso Ciampa defeated Johnny Gargano in a Tom- uh, Chicago street fight in the main event. Um, another show that is a heavy leaner on that main event uh, because of the fact that the main event was a barn burner. Anytime Ciampa and Gargano match up in the ring, it's literal wrestling bliss. Uh, and those two guys just tore the house down one year after Champa's uh, legendary turn on um, Gargano. Uh, but obviously, this evened up their series at one apiece, headed into the summertime where they would settle their score a little later on. Um, but yeah, very heavy on the main event show. What do you think? Any other thoughts about the uh, the show? Yeah, no, I totally enjoyed that uh, main event match between Tommaso Champa and Johnny Gargano. I mean... You look at the chemistry that they have as a tag team, and then even in their feud, like it, any any match that they have is just is literally a masterpiece. Yeah, but that one, the Chicago Street Fight, that one was really like one of their that that must have been their best match for me. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it was probably my favorite as well. Um, with their first one being second, and their third one being third. Even though this show is ranked the lowest out of the three. I feel like the other cards they had helped bolster the entire show. This match in and of itself was probably the best of the three that they had that summer. Moving right along to NXT TakeOver Respect. It was the first time ever that two women were main eventing an NXT pay-per-view. And what a match it was going to be. We're going to get to that in a moment. But uh, we're going to start off Finn Balor and Samoa Joe defeated Dash and Dawson in the opening match, the first semifinal match of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. They had the finals, semifinals and finals on this card. Right after that, Baron Corbin and Rhino defeated uh, American Alpha, Jason Jordan and Chad Gable to advance to the finals as well. 
Asuka defeated Dana Brooke. Apollo Crews defeated Tyler Breeze. Uh, then Finn Balor and Samoa Joe would go on to defeat Baron Corbin and Rhino in the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic. And then in the main event, the uh, 30-minute Iron Woman match for the NXT Women's Championship, Bailey and Sasha Banks, in a rematch of their historic match from a few months prior in Brooklyn. Um, again, another show that leans heavily on the main event, and I put it a little higher uh, because of the significance of the main event, the first ever Iron Woman match in WWE history, the first time that they had ever main evented a pay-per-view. Um, it was a historic moment, and it was absolutely... Um, amazing to see um again so any other thoughts uh, again a very top heavy show here yeah no between between the uh 30 minute iron woman match and the uh dusty Rhodes tag team classic final match those two outcomes were just i i feel like those were the best decisions that they made at the time for NXT. Yes. And it was, also, show. it was also the inaugural Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, might we add as well. Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, the inaugural winners of that tournament. Uh, tournament uh, has been in existence since then. We've had a lot of great winners, MSK, uh, among others. And now the women's iteration as well. Next on and the list. Shortly after, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and then shortly after, it was when uh, Samoa Joe and Finn Balor started a feud for that title, right? Yeah, yeah, and then they had uh, three straight takeovers where they faced one another. And ironically, the only time the title changed hands was on a house show in Lowell, Massachusetts, not even at any of those takeovers. Joe won it shortly after Dallas on a house show, and then the third match was Joe defending against Balor, and then it was Balor's second-to-last match in NXT before he went up to the main roster. Next on the list, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 4. We're getting into the Brooklyn series now. Four years in a row, NXT TakeOver headed to the Barclays Center over SummerSlam weekend. Uh, The last of those four editions, we do have ranked the lowest. Uh, Not that it was bad per se, but uh, definitely a strong card overall. So, the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong defeated Mustache Mountain to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. The Velveteen Dream defeated EC3. Ricochet defeated Adam Cole to win the North American Championship. Kyrie Sane defeated Shayna Baszler to win the NXT Women's Championship in a huge upset. And then in the main event, Tommaso Ciampa retained his NXT Championship against Johnny Gargano in a last man standing match. Once again, a heavy on the main event show. It was the conclusion of the Gargano Ciampa rivalry after a year and a half almost of building it up. Uh, they had their third consecutive takeover with a match. Champa Gargano won the first, Champa the second, and the third. This time, the uh, NXT Championship was involved. Champa had won it after Aleister Black got injured. Uh, they were supposed to have a triple threat. The uh, Black being removed allowed for uh, this last man standing match to truly be the final payoff to that feud. Um, obviously, uh, as I said. Uh, before Gargano Champa 2 was probably their best overall match in and of itself. This match was also very good, but the card supporting it is a little bit better than Takeover Chicago that they had to set the street fight. Um, you know, Sane and Baszler with the upset of Sane coming away with the win being a huge uh, plus, as well as the barn burner opener with the UE, the UE and Mustache Mountain. So, very fun match, very fun show. Um, what do you think of this one? You know, I definitely think the show was really good and um, very well put together. Again, TakeOver Brooklyn, I mean, the Brooklyn crowd, for some reason, I don't know what it is with New York crowds, but, you know, we add something crazy to the show. <laughs> but um, Yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> uh, definitely, like, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano, the last man standing match, you know, you could tell that the story is just naturally there between the two men. 
and even Ricochet and Adam Cole for the NXT North American Championship. Those those two matches for me were probably the best matches on the show. Yeah, the North American title one that kind of gets forgotten. That they had a few. They had another one a little later on that I believe was was a before or after that was even better. This was also the show where that that uh, GIF of uh, the springboard moonsault ending up in a super kick. Uh, which is one of my favorite, most creative spots I've ever seen between Cole and Ricochet. Just unbelievable timing. Those two guys are fantastic. Okay, moving right along. We're going to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2. So we're going to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn 2 uh, a couple of years prior. Um, and it's going to be uh, Austin Aries defeating No Way Jose via submission, Ember Moon defeating Billy Kay, uh, Bobby Roode defeating Andrade Cien Almas. The Revival defeated DIY to retain the NXT Tag Team titles. Asuka defeated Bayley to retain the NXT Women's title. It was Bayley's final match in NXT. And then Shinsuke Nakamura defeated Samoa Joe to win the NXT Championship in Nakamura's crowning moment. So, uh, again, another great show. I think this one just had a lot more layers to it. The tag team match between DIY and The Revival was top-notch. Nakamura and Joe... Uh, was Nakamura's crowning moment, which was very important, and it was Bailey's swan song. So a lot of important moments taking place on this show, uh, which puts it a little higher than four. What do you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the revival and DIY, that match was really good for the tag team championship. Um, Asuka defeating Bailey, like you said, it was Bailey's uh, exit from NXT and transition into the main roster. And Shinsuke defeating Samoa Joe, that was... Definitely a really, I feel like it was a really fun match for the NXT Championship. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, great show overall. Um, so with that, what we are going to do is we are going to call it here. We keep you guys in suspense. Uh, so we're at number 16. We got 15 more to go. And at the next episode of the Fans Talk Pro Wrestling Podcast, we are going to finish this up. We'll give you our top 15 why we think they're the top 15, and we will be back uh, once again with that episode very, very soon. So with that being said, uh, I've been Freddie. Angela, you got anything else to add? No, I feel like we should just leave it in suspense for everybody. (laughs) All right. Well, with that being said, we'll see everybody again very soon. Thank you for all for listening. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe. And as always, always remember to never be afraid to be a fan. So long, everyone. We'll see you very soon.